to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. This week, Meryl and I are joined by Wayne Richard. He's the global director of operations at Bean Ninjas and also a partner now with Bean Ninjas. So this week, we're going to talk about scaling into the U.S. As you know, the Bean Ninjas company was founded by Meryl Johnston in Australia, and they have grown to an international company, currently working now to expand their client base in the U.S., and that job is being taken up and done quite well by Wayne Richard. So we're going to talk to him about how he goes about scaling into the U.S., and he has a really interesting story about how he became engaged with Bean Ninjas and how he and Meryl began to communicate to begin with. So it's a really fun story. You want to stay tuned and hear that part of it. And then we also talk a little bit about his productivity tips. Wayne is a father of five kids. And so as you can imagine, his time is very, very limited and always spoken for. So his productivity tips are something that I was really interested to hear, find out how does he balance it all. And he does, he even manages to take some time for himself. So we're going to go through all of that and talk with Wayne and Meryl this week on the podcast. Welcome to the Bean Ninjas podcast, everyone. I am your co-host, Elizabeth Powers, joined once again by co-founder and CEO of Bean Ninjas, Meryl Johnston. How are you, Meryl? Hey, Elizabeth. I'm doing well. I'm actually calling you from Tucson, Arizona today. I've been here for almost a week and a half now meeting with Wayne, who we'll be chatting to on the show today and setting up our office in a co-working space in downtown Tucson. Yeah, so exciting. I'm really, I'm, I'm just happy to know that you're that much closer to me. So you're in the States now. I feel like we're buddies. We're even closer. <laughs> <laughs> Today's time zone was much easier to organize. <laughs> right. Although I'm sure that you're, how long did it take you to adjust? Cause you've been in, you've been in the States for a little over a week now. Is that right? That's right. I actually really struggled with jet lag. I don't normally, but for some reason, the, almost the first week I was getting about four hours sleep a night and oh. I've been doing a productivity challenge where you need to get up at 4.45 in the morning and I'm still trying to maintain my early morning. So we'll, we'll chat more about that later in the show. But the first week I was definitely lacking sleep. Oh my goodness. 4.45 a.m. or four hours of sleep. Either one of those sounds a little bit like torture, but <laughs> but you're doing it now. Have you, you're in Texas so or Arizona, so you haven't done any surfing. What is it like to go that long without hitting the waves in the morning? Well, it's funny that you say no surfing. So I was actually in Austin for the weekend and the first day I arrived, I discovered that there is a man-made wave park there. So I actually did surf on the weekends rather than a beach how fun now okay obviously it can't compare to the beach but like how far how far off is it surprisingly it was really fun it was a little bit different to surfing a wave at the beach the way that you catch the wave but once you're on the wave it was actually it felt quite similar so I'm excited in a couple of years when the technology improves the wave parks are going to be incredible Awesome. That is so cool. I've never been to one of those, but I feel a little bit better about it because I'm not going to eat gravel when I 
fall off the board, which is what happened every time I <laughs> gravel. I could call, I should call it like shells in the bottom of the ocean. But every time I've ever tried to surf, I just, that's what I remember is like, wow, here's my face eating a lot of shells at the bottom of the ocean now. <laughs> um, well, awesome. I'm glad that you are in the States and you're here for some really exciting stuff. So as you mentioned, we are joined this week by Wayne Richard. He is your global director of operations at Bean Ninjas. Wayne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm so excited to join. I've been listening in over the course of the last few weeks. Glad to finally get the call up onto the podcast. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to have you and what you're working on right now with Bean Ninjas is some of the more exciting stuff happening within the company. Um, so I kind of want to get started actually a little, let's go back before Bean Ninjas and talk about, you know, your career before Bean Ninjas and how you ended up with Bean Ninjas. I know that you worked for a period of time um, with, was it HP? Yeah, I actually spent almost my entire career with HP or other companies that had been subsequently purchased by HP. And I guess to go back, I, I really started with a certain definition of success, kind of focused around being a corporate climber and getting to a certain level of management and being in a position where having worked for such an internationally known, kind of widely recognized brand, you felt a certain level of security and until it wasn't there any longer. And and when you left HP, I want to say you started your own company. Is that right? Absolutely. To go back a bit, I had been in a position where I had a lot of responsibility as a manager over a large team. And within that, my last function was to actually let go of a third of my team members. And it began to get to a place where it was amongst the most challenging time in my professional life. But subsequent to that, my wife and I were actually surprised with triplets. So we went from having two to having five children. Oh, wow. And I had, al I had always been fortunate throughout my career with HP to have had remote work opportunities while also aligning myself with certain mentors and having certain levels of responsibility kind of before what would have been my time in the company, not being centered in one of their main finance hubs. So after that release of my team, I actually received a phone call from my management asking which of three shared service centers I was wanting to relocate my family to. And my choices were either Dallas, Detroit, or DC. And with a family of five children and having settled here in Tucson, with a career spent mostly working remote, I made a difficult decision at that time um, really to just make a go at it of my own and continue to express that freedom of schedule and the flexibility that I'd had in a what I thought was a safe corporate setting. And the only way I could find to maintain that was to start a business on my own. And around that time, I was starting to discover those areas where I felt I could market my skills and services. And I found that bookkeeping, because of the nature of the cloud tools that were starting to get introduced, would have been an easy way 
for me to leverage the experiences I've had in a corporate accounting setting and bring those tips and tricks to small business. So I quickly began to reach out in the few months of runway that I had had from having spent such a long time at HP in reaching out to my friends and family and and building a business. And tell me a little bit about how you first became involved with communicating with Bean Ninjas and Merrill specifically, because it's it's a really interesting story. It speaks to kind of the power of the internet, but it's something that I often say to and about Meryl, which is that her transparency and how open and honest she is um, about everything with Bean Ninjas and even in you know some of her personal finance processes um, is really incredible. It's remarkable and not something we hear a lot of, especially from bookkeeping service companies. How did you begin to speak with Meryl? And tell me a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I was at a point about a year into my own firm growth where I was really searching and striving for mentors. And I came across a podcast that had featured Merrill and it opened the door for me to want to dig further into the Bean Ninja story. So I just immersed myself in their blog and as you stated, was just overwhelmed with how forthcoming they were in sharing their early startup story. And I think it's really interesting too, because on one hand, when you think of bookkeeping, especially within you know business, and if you're talking about hiring a third party to handle bookkeeping for your company, in one way, it's you think, well, of course they're going to be very tight-lipped. You know, you want them to keep things private, and they have certain responsibilities legally. They can't really talk about it. But then on the other hand, whatever is happening in your books as a business should be something that you know, everyone could be honest about when they need to be. So it's interesting that, you know, it seems like overall the industry leans more on just stay quiet and don't say much of anything. (laughs) But Be Ninjas has become so forthcoming that they are attracting like-minded individuals like you. So you eventually became um, a team member on Bean Ninjas, and now you are located in the U.S., spearheading their scale into the U.S. Um, uh, location. So tell me what you're doing. How long have you been working on scaling into the U.S.? Tell me about the team. Sure. And I just want to go back a little bit with your prior comment. So I was just amazed. I actually reached out to Meryl after reading her blog and we connected via Skype. And I was just really complimentary and overwhelmed by how forthcoming she was with me on the phone. Uh, As I had reached out to other firms here in the U.S. prior, and I've shared this with Meryl, but they actually wouldn't accept my call. And I was simply just looking to connect with folks that were like-minded and start to develop a conversation around what things I was trying and what things they may have tried already and, and may have been able to help me not make those same mistakes. But to address your question around what I'm involved with, as we further developed the relationship, I was offered an opportunity to join the Bean Ninjas team. And having joined the team in its early stages, I was really just at the table when we were having conversations around establishing a firm mission and vision and values 
and was asked to take on some large projects around building foundational processes and how we handle sales activities or how we might onboard a client. So coming aboard now in a greater capacity, I'm really focused on scaling Beam Ninjas here in the U.S. We already have an amazing client base of U.S. companies, but mostly that actually don't reside in the U.S. So I'm hoping to really build upon that and grow Bean Ninjas in the U.S. market. Absolutely. And Meryl, I want to hear from you about, um, I think I'll, I'll step back just a little bit and hear from you about your experience engaging with Wayne initially. What made you decide to, I mean, obviously his background and his entrepreneurial um, mindset is a great fit with Bean Ninjas. What ultimately made you decide to bring him on board? And then I know he was in an initial position before he you know, became um, the director and spearheading into the U.S. market. So tell me a little bit about from your side, because I think it's really interesting. You know, there seems to be two very different types of co-founders and CEOs. There are those that really want layers of protection. Like Wayne said, they, they're not going to take a call from someone they're not familiar with. Um, you know, there really isn't much accessibility to that type of CEO or co-founder. And with you, you're very different. You are very accessible. You're in a lot of different community forums where people can ask you questions. Tell me a little bit about how that impacts your business, how it led you to Wayne and what you're looking forward to and, and expecting him to be able to do here in the U.S. Yeah, I think it was it was quite an interesting process where Wayne and I initially connected and I made a choice that someone had reached out to me and I'd been in that position as well early in my startup journey where I'd reach out to other people that I respected or was interested in learning about something that they were working on or had a question for them. So I knew what it was like in Wayne's position too. And I respected that he had actually taken action and got in touch with me. And I thought that that did deserve a call. And then on the call, I was really impressed with what Wayne had achieved so far, but also the way he presented himself, and the things that we were discussing and his entrepreneurial mindset as well, which is not, some bookkeepers have it and some accountants have it, but a lot don't, don't think, they think more like accountants and, and bookkeepers, which is what, what we're all, what we're all trying to do. And the next decision that, that I needed to make was, would it make sense or would it present a risk to Beanages if we had someone else who had that entrepreneurial spirit? Would it present a risk to the business if we brought someone like Wayne into Beanages? and shared all of our processes, the way that we developed everything, would that present a risk to the business down the track? And potentially it could have because Wayne has the skills and he has successfully grown his own business as well. But I made a call at, at the beginning of that relationship that if we gradually eased into Wayne working at Bean Ninjas and, and saw, you know, tested the waters and saw how it went, we could potentially mitigate that risk. And also as, we, as our trust from working together grew, I got the sense that he has similar values to me, which, which has continued for the, we, we built that out into the Beaminders values too. But that was an important consideration and something I think a lot of people may have missed an opportunity to work with someone entrepreneurial because they were worried about the risk or the threat to their own business or that per person starting up as a competitor. And so I'm really glad that we did go down that path. And then over two years of working together, our relationship evolved and Wayne took on more and more responsibility. So he started off 
bookkeeping and then he quickly led a team. He was instrumental in different projects that he talked about and really proved himself in a number of areas, but especially around sales and managing key relationships. And so it's really exciting in terms of where next for Pignages because Wayne already has a lot of that leadership experience from managing large teams when he was at HP. So there's a couple of different areas that he'll be focusing on. And one is really growing the US market, but also mentoring our other teams. So he'll actually be leading our Australian team and our UK team as well. So it's actually quite a large role. Those different bookkeeping team members will be reporting into Wayne. And then again, he'll be we're very process driven. So he'll be helping to continue to develop and refine processes like our sales and onboarding, and then eventually develop new products like accounts payable, payroll at Beniges. And I know that right now Wayne is working out of a, a co-working space in Tucson and you plan to grow Bean Ninjas um, in basically sort of hubs in various cities where you're scaling into. Tell me a little bit about how that works and why that's important for you to build your new offices and, and add team members in that way with the various hubs. It's interesting. So we consider ourselves a distributed team, a remote team, which means that all of our staff members have the flexibility to work from wherever they would like. And we're built so that no one needs to come into an office. But after a number of years of working like that, we realised that it really is beneficial to spend time face-to-face too. And that can be from a personal productivity point of view in terms of going into the office to work rather than working from home. And then also because even though we are distributed, we do send different team members on on trips internationally so that they can learn from people in other countries. And so it's really important to have hubs there so that when we have Tom from Manchester coming out to the Australian office, we have a place that we call home and, and somewhere we can have our team meetings and have people collaborate and work together. And so we have our Gold Coast hub. We have one in Serbia. We've just opened one in Tucson and we'll probably well, we're hoping to develop another one in the UK either this year or next year. And I think that comes back to valuing, even though we are distributed and we work remotely, it comes back to valuing relationships and that face-to-face time. And might even throw that question out to Wayne, whether you've got any thoughts on what it's like now having a co-working space that, that you're coming to. I'll say from a productivity perspective, it's quite amazing. As a father of five kids, I have a tremendous amount of demands on my time that occur within the home. And I find as though having a space to really focus on my work task allows for me to get in the mind space and really separate from those demands and focus that time while I'm in the co-working space on the work at hand. But beyond that, we're also a services business. And it's a big commitment for prospective clients to commit to us such a sensitive piece of their business. So it's really important for us to get to be known throughout those communities that we want to establish presence in. And after we're known, then you get to become liked and trusted. And once we can earn that trust before we make that pitch for a sale or have even the opportunity for the ask, I feel as though it's important for us to establish a friendship with with those that are working around us in a co-working environment where there are other businesses that are scaling and looking for insight in the world of bookkeeping and accounting puts us in an amazing place to help service them. 
And I have the same question for both of you. So um, Meryl, you can answer it first with sort of a, um, a general view. And then Wayne, you can answer it specifically with regard to the territories that you're managing and growing into. And that is what's next for Bean Ninjas from here. Well, we've been, I've written a blog post recently, which talks about growth, so business growth in my experience. And a lot of people have the hockey stick graph where growth just accelerates. But in my experience with growth, you go through a growth period and then you need to reinvest in systems or resources, building a team. And so you plateau for a little while or the growth isn't as fast and then you grow again. And so the last year, year and a half, we've really been focused on systems and building our team and creating excess capacity so that when we do hit a growth phase, we're ready to serve those clients really well. And now we're at the beginning of the growth phase and we're starting to see that already with the increased number of leads and new clients that we're bringing on. And in terms of what's next for us, I'd say in the next one to two years, our focus will be on growth and really serving a larger number of clients really well. Excellent. I think to piggyback, absolutely, to to piggyback on Meryl's comments, we focused on certain service offerings initially, and they were centered around the heart of the bookkeeping experience. And that's really the transaction processing and the monthly bank reconciliations and reports. But there's more that we can be involved with. And in the U.S., a lot of it's become commonplace for bookkeeping firms to offer things, as Meryl mentioned earlier, like accounts payable servicing or things like payroll processing. These are areas that we have aligned with certain partners and are building out the capabilities within our team to begin to deliver and help in that next stage of growth for Bean Ninjas. And Meryl, I know that you have some questions from listeners. Of course, we send out newsletter every week, so we give everybody a heads up on what uh, the topics that we have um, coming up on the podcast. And then you've been on some forums. So you have some questions from listeners um, for Wayne. I'd like for you to go ahead and, and let's get started on some of those. I'm interested to hear his answers myself. So the, the questions that I had for Wayne um relate to managing a family of five and growing a successful business. So, Wayne, the first question is around, do you have any tips for someone with a growing family of finding balance or integration between family life and a career? I'm glad you mentioned integration. As I've never felt as though there's a true balance. I feel, for me personally, I give 100% toward one and it often means I'm sacrificing in the other. So the integration works out perfectly as I truly believe in putting my family's needs first. So I often, as a productivity tip, as I lay out my week on Sunday nights, I take a look at those demands that my family has asked me to help them with. It might be volunteering in my son's classroom, on a certain day of the week or picking up my daughter from her after school activities. So I try to block that time off in my schedule so that I'm not interrupted by demands from work. And then personally, I really believe it's important to set aside time for things like self-care and personal development. So 
as Nero mentioned, I also wake up at 4.45 a.m. in the morning. Um, a bit of our productivity challenge this month is actually to check in on Slack when you wake up in the morning. So you give a little wave. So you know that people might be looking out for you and making sure you're meeting those challenge demands. And I feel as though waking up earlier before those needs are surface from my family um, allow for me to take that time to kind of center myself and prepare for the day at hand. And it's just really important to set yourself in that home persona and be 100% present with your family and engaging with them and being a part of the time that you have with them. But switching that persona once it's time to put on that hat and get into work and sit down and focus and be 100% into the work. Now, I have to ask, if you're getting up at 4.45 a.m., and I've done it too when I worked out a lot more faithfully than I do now, I would get up at 4 so I could be to the gym at 5, but I was also a lot younger then, (laughs) and I did not have five kids at home. If you're getting up at 4.45, what time are you going to bed? So that's a challenging question to ask now as we're doing a lot of work (laughs) transitioning um, activities and I'm trying to really commit to my role here being ninjas so I can just fully focus 100% of my time. Often I will be miserable and I'll go to bed at 10.30 or 11 o'clock and that's the sacrifice I've made is I (laughs) put a lot on my plate so I just sleep less. Wow. That's incredible. I think I would, that would work for me for about three days and then I would just be a zombie for the next two days. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any more questions from the audience, Meryl? Well, this is just actually a question for me because Wayne and I have both been going through the Peak Persona program, which is a productivity program. And we've also had Michael from our team going through the program. And there's so many different elements to it, one of which we've talked about, which is getting up early so you have time for self-care and getting ready for the day. But I also wanted to ask you, Wayne, whether there was one other point from the program that you've learned or that you wanted to talk about that you think would be beneficial for the audience. I just I want to take a step back too and just commend Meryl. One of our core values is always growing. And I feel as though opportunities like this, the productivity challenge and the investment that it takes to give us the time to be a part of these things uh, allows for us to grow. So not only do we have values, but it's important for me to communicate. We actually walk the walk, but I felt as though the idea of setting aside personas and not only setting aside personas, but having time to transition from one persona to the other, I've really implemented in my own daily interactions. And it really is just something as simple as on the drive home, putting on a playlist or some type of music that allows for you to get back into that dad mode. And for me, it might be something real corny, you know, a a song that I like to dance with, with the kids that I know will put me just out of the mindset of being stressed about work tasks that might be on my mind and start getting me into that persona that they want to experience and and see me be when I'm at home. Yeah, great answer. Thanks, Wayne. So we've got a couple of other questions from listeners 
that were directed to me. So I know we haven't got a whole lot of time left, but I'll quickly run through these questions as well. So the first one was, is there a magical or obvious right time to add a new team member? Is it when current team members feel overwhelmed or do you add headcount and then bring on more clients to keep the new, new team member busy? And I think it's a great question and it's a hard question to answer because in an ideal world, you would hire ahead of need. But in reality, that that's a cash flow drain. If you're paying for someone and there isn't work, client work or other work for them to do, then for a small business with a small headcount, it's actually very difficult to do that. So what what we've done at Beamages with a number of our hires is start people off as contractors just doing a small number of hours a week just to test it out and then gradually increase their workload. And we've had a number of people that have come on full-time and, or, and some part-time as well following that method. And now we've got a headcount of 12. There's less of an impact when we bring on an extra person to go from 12 to 13 than if we were going from three to four. There's a second question that ties in with hiring as well. This next question is managing team admin tasks is something that I'm doing completely at the moment. I was just wondering how you had managed this. And I think this is quite a common situation for service businesses where the business owner will focus on training a team for service delivery, but some of the internal admin tasks, like maybe internal accounting, HR, documenting systems, may still stay with the business owner. And we were lucky in the way that we found our operations manager. Fiona started with us doing a particular project and then gradually, did she did really well with that project and gradually took on more and more responsibility until all of a sudden, really, we had an operations manager who was able to take a lot off my plate with admin tasks. But not everyone is going to be lucky and, and find a Fiona in a situation like that. So my recommendation there would just be to break down all of the admin tasks into smaller chunks and then think about whether there's someone that who can help with some of those tasks. And, and often business owners might want to keep those admin tasks separate to client service delivery, which is fine. But maybe you don't need the one person to have the skill set to do HR, marketing, you know, all of those different tasks. It might be quite hard to find someone like that. So I hope that's helpful. I love when we get questions from our listeners and it does kind of open up opportunities for us to um, find new topics for each episode. So thank you to the listeners that sent those questions in. And remember, you can always send in more questions via um, Twitter at Bean Ninjas or on our Facebook page. Um, and my last question is for you, Wayne. I just want to know if you have any sort of final tips for our listeners who are either entrepreneurial like you are and were when you had your own company and are looking to scale their business or for people who have a similar position that you have right now, you know, leading teams in several different time zones. What are your sort of last one or two tips that you would like to send them away from the podcast with? I think the first, I would say, be, be brave enough to ask when you don't know. So look across the industry for those that you would like to mimic or follow in their footsteps. And maybe those others that have achieved the level of success that you're looking to achieve and reach out to them. Most small business owners, most startup founders are actually extremely accessible and willing to help out. So 
go ahead and just ask for help, but frame it in a way that is welcoming. I feel as though if you can identify one or two tasks and you're not too um, greedy in regards to how much time you're asking for, I feel it's okay to send a message and simply say, hey, would you mind spending 15 minutes with me on Skype to talk about sales and marketing? And ask a few people if you don't get traction. I think in regards to productivity in in a startup, I think you really want to take time for self-care. I think initially you get so focused on growth that you sometimes worry about yourself and, and not take care of yourself properly. And I feel as though once you optimize your own self-care and you're taking that time to work out and you're still continuing some type of personal development, whether or not it's through listening to podcasts or reading books, that it's going to put you in a better position when you sit down to get your work done. Really great tips and very, very actionable, which is great. I love to hear that. Meryl, any closing thoughts or tips from you today? I think Wayne's done a great job of, of summing it up and, and talking about his journey and what's happening with Dean Ninjas next and also some of his productivity tri- productivity tips. So thanks so much, Wayne, for coming on the podcast. And I'm really excited about your new role at Dean Ninjas and you becoming a partner and the future that we have ahead of us together with the rest of the team. Thanks for joining us, Wayne. Merrill, I will talk to you next week. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Bean Ninjas podcast. Special thanks to Wayne Richard of Bean Ninjas for joining Merrill and I this week on our podcast. As always, remember to check the show notes for links to some of the information that we talked about in this episode. If you have questions that you would like Meryl or any of her guests to answer on future episodes, please feel free to send them to us on Twitter or Facebook at Bean Ninjas. We'd love to answer as many questions as we can on air from our Bean Ninjas super fans. And as you know, uh, Meryl is always very, very open and transparent, willing to share as much with us as absolutely possible. So send over your questions. Be sure to come back next week where we are going to talk to Meryl about being a training organization. I think it's going to be a really good chat and I can't wait to learn from her about how she handles training with an international remote team and how she turns every team member into a trainer. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week on the Beat Ninjas podcast. Podcast.